damn, son, where'd you find this? Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> My name is DJ Burns. The CIA has accused me of being Don Bellows, the freak leader. Uh, if you're listening and you already know what it's to, the first ever Crowcast of 2022. Don't know how many of these I'm going to do, but we're going to give it a spin. That's what uh, the hogs want. And I'm in the business of satisfying those hogs. And uh, so, you know, I got to thinking about who was going to be the first guest on the show. And, you know, the whole idea behind this was the Internet needs more of my opinions. There are not enough ways to access my opinions and fleeting thoughts. So I got into this and I said, who would be the first worthy guest? And I said, you know, we need a we need a guest from a marginal a marginal group, a marginalized group. <laughs> and with that, I brought in my fellow white male sports fan, uh, son of New Albany. We'll get into that a bit. And Buckeye Sports Associate Editor, uh, Editor-in-Chief of the Outside Zone. We'll explain what those things are here in a bit. But right now, it's Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, how are you doing, man? DJ, I, I'm fantastic. I, uh, <laughs> I I think that what you've done here is, is really brilliant in that you have uh, seven, you know, seven or eight years ago, when you're writing the skull sessions at 11 warriors, you have planted those ideas in my brain. And now you're ready to, to reap the rewards of your, your long time propaganda of me. <laughs> you can, you can hear your own opinions reflected in your first podcast guest as you were, I was classically trained by you and your posting. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Like people, I, I remember when I was, I was writing that stuff, people come up to me and they'd be like, man, like, I read your, I read the skull session every day and I'd be, I'm like on purpose. <laughs> Dude, I used to like, be, you know, I, the only reason like, I got to read it every day, but only because I'm trapped in this insane asylum. <laughs> I was a uh, first period high school, pretty much three or four, all, all pretty much all four years. That's what I'm reading. I'm, I'm, you know, class is oh, going God. on I'm in the back of the room. I'm reading it on my phone. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate that, my friend. And, um, we were talking, I mentioned you're a son of New Albany. Now, people like people who are not familiar with Columbus, it's what in like the northwestern part uh suburbs. It was basically built by pedophile <laughs> sex trafficker Les Wexner, who still has his name on everybody's uh, you know, his his name's still all around town. And he built it out of nothing. And like going out there, I worked out there uh on one of the many data farms that you're building out there, and it's just like What's up with the picket fences, man? <laughs> the yeah. white picket fences. Every, like they're everywhere. Like you can you're driving down the beach road. You know, they're out like surrounded by farms, cutting back into town. They've got them everywhere. Like, what is that like a thing? Like, did, who pays for those fences? Who does them? So the the fences, I don't know the full details on where those came from. I my experience with, with New Albany is a little bit unique because I grew up right around the time all of this started happening. So I, I pretty much grew up with the with the town essentially i'm i'm either fourth or fifth generation new albany and so my parents and no grandparents shit. yeah my parents and grandparents grew up when it was a farm town there you know it's 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 like johnstown it's <laughs> there's nothing there and then i you know i i'm born i was born in 99 and that's when the schools were built that was when they they started to you know they they started to expand these schools and they have i mean it's a fucking college campus out there if anybody's ever been on you know in, in New Albany, the entire town is a is a school essentially because it, it spans the whole area, um, and the the white fences. I don't know where that comes from, but it's a it's a country club town. They've built out the whole town around these core little 
communities of, of, you know, golf courses, essentially like the, uh, I think the links is one of them where it's, it's a neighborhood, but it's also a golf club. There's, uh, Fenway, which is even nicer than the links. It's just a neighborhood that, that has essentially sprouted up. And I think that the white picket fences sort of have popped off from that, where it's, it's this, this weird town that was, it, it's this, you know, you have the combination of what was once farmland. That's now these extremely sort of, faux fancy houses and you have the fences kind of growing out from that um and it's it's a very strange mix of like because i was on the outskirts growing up because we couldn't afford to live in the core of it i was i was sort of grandfathered in um and you see like you go from gehanna into new albany and it's like going into a different world entirely it's just it's it's it changes immediately as soon as you get inside of the perimeter of the town so did you go with did you go to high school with like darren lee yeah, he was a little oh, bit. God, well, <laughs> he was a little bit before me. Uh, I've got some Darren Lee stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, any any you want to share? Because he he's an interesting guy. Yeah, Darren Lee. So there's I I can I can confirm the validity of only one of these. Um, there's another one that I have been told that I'll I'll repeat because I don't think that I'm going to get sued for libel on the uh, on the Crowcast. But um, the, the, so the one that I can repeat the, that I can confirm is that because uh, I was a couple years behind him. I think he graduated in 2013. If that I, I think that's right. I'm aging um, by the minute over here. By the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm 80 years old now. Yeah, and I, I would have. I, I was 2018, so I was I was a little ways behind him. Um, and the the one that I saw with my own eyes is that we have New Albany has this huge like two pronged cafeteria. There's there's like the middle school side and the high school side, and you can go either over over to either side, like regardless of the grade that you're in. But usually, kids kind of stuck to one side based on their their age. And Darren liked to come over to the middle school side, and he would take full water bottles and try to throw them as far as he could across the room. To his <laughs> he just like he would go to one corner and he'd have his friends set up at the table in the other corner and he'd just launch them because um, he he played quarterback at New Albany and and really liked to to flex that fact, I guess. And usually he'd get there, but a lot of the times he would just clock kids with these water bottles <laughs> just nailing them um and uh, the the story that i can't confirm that i that i have <laughs> i have heard is that he liked doing this so much that at, at one point he filled a bunch of water bottles with um as the story goes his own urine and then threw it at a bunch of cars in the parking lot as his senior prank he did his own uh, senior prank of, uh, uh, <laughs> urine see, bottles back back in high school we used to do milkshakes Okay. <laughs> and we would, we would hit people. Like we would go to the mall. Like this is the type of town Marion was that I grew up and we'd go to the mall and we'd get like a 44 ounce. We'd find like some little goth kids standing outside waiting for his mom, hanging out of the theaters and just blast them, bro. So yeah, I, I get the that. sense of being an ass. Cause I look back on that, you know, people are like, Oh man, Darren, what, what an asshole. But like, I was like, we were doing like, could you imagine getting hit with a milkshake? <laughs> god you gotta just go home and shower immediately <laughs> that's it that's the end of your day that's the end of your outing right there you're done you can't you can't walk that off that's the that's the difference between marion and new albany is that darren is using water bottles and you guys are using milk <laughs> live targets too like i specifically remember like we hit this bike gang one time in the park like an actual like uh bicycle gang not like bikers we weren't that cool but uh we hit this group, double back, got another milkshake, and some of them were still <laughs> congregated in the middle of the of the mall parking lot. And it's just international waters back there. And my friend legit, we like legit ran him down in 
<laughs> in my friend's mom's van and I hit this kid like point blank. I can still hear oh. the sound. Oh no. And uh I gotta check if the statute of limitations or stuff on that because that's assault, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that you were doing targeted drone strikes way back when. <laughs> yeah, and people were like, people, oh, you know, DJ. He's such a dickhead. It's like, dude, if only you knew me like back when I was like young and like I was when I was an actual dickhead, my goodness, my goodness. <laughs> but it, uh, Darren Lee kind of segues into uh, the OSU and we'll yeah. get we'll get to your Dabo comments here in a bit. But how can you explain your path breaking into the Ohio State media? Because a lot of sports fans think that you know oh man like it's you know writing about sports like it must just be so fun and so interesting you know it's got to be so great but like i like i felt there was a lot of downsides to it and like and a lot of the path was just like breaking into the business and now that you have like what how did you go about getting into the biz well i started writing just sort of for fun as a thing to do when I was 16. I just I had a I had a homeroom or a study room class and I wasn't doing anything else. So I just started doing a uh, I had my own, my own little just personal blog that I would put up sports stories. Um, and that I, I sort of turned into a I call it a job. I wasn't paid, but a job with a, an independent little Big 12 website. And I they didn't have any recruiting coverage. And so I just started doing that. And that was kind of my in there. And I turned that into, um, I, I got into contact with, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Matt Brown over who was at, uh, he was at Land Grant Holy Land at the time. Yep, yep um, I know Matt. Good guy. I, I, Matt hired me and then presumably knowing what he had done immediately left. Uh, he left the site like literally <laughs> a week after he hired me. Um, and so there was sort of a, you know, cause he and he and Luke Zimmerman had both left like pretty, pretty recently. And so there was sort of a vacuum of of leadership at the top of land grant holy land and i i fairly quickly i mean i was 17 18 years old at the time and realized that nobody was really running the show outside of like the the kind of baseline managing editors and worked my way i i, I say worked kind of wormed my way into that that spot um just by you know the classic new albany tactics of uh just doing it just assuming that i was doing it until i already you know until i had the job essentially um and uh and from there i i ended up i i i liked doing this enough i liked writing enough i wasn't making a ton but uh i liked doing it enough that i just didn't go to college because i i don't have the brain for it and i figured yeah i can probably make this work and then um like a year after making that that decision, I get a, a full time job at at Buckeye Sports Bulletin, where I am now, um, and I, I think that uh, one I, w- I would have gone crazy had I gone to college, and it's probably for the best that I didn't do that. A wise um, move. I just my, biggest one of the biggest scams in the game. My my brain is just not wired for it. Like there, are, I think there are some people who are really good at it, but I can't I can't do I can't sit still for that long. I can't focus on anything for that long, especially like if it's something I'm not interested in, but. Um, so I, I broke into it that way, and and I think that the you know it, it has impacted my the way that I cover the team and the way that I do my job in general because I don't know the correct way to do it. I was never told the correct way to do it, so I just sort of do it the way that I think is you know morally right and the way that I think feels right, um, which leads into the downsides of uh, a lot of people don't like me because of the things that I say about Ohio State. Um, and also when you do this job and as, as I'm sure you were, you became pretty familiar with, uh, it becomes completely impossible to root for anything in, in sports. It becomes, it's like, 
and it's it's like that part of my brain is is broken and i'm sure it will come back eventually if i don't do this for a while but like i can't even root for the browns right i (laughs) i have to qualify everything that i do in sports as you know it, it all gets worked through the the you know the the way that i have programmed my brain where like i it's it's immediately gone i cannot feel any emotional attachment to this to these you know these teams um and i I think that it's it's a fun thing that i've done to my brain where i literally cannot watch or root for sports in the way that i used to um and it's 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 the sacrifices that we have to make for content folks see i that's how i got like that's how i like drifted in more into the browns because like you're absolutely right. Like it just killed any emo- like when I was watching uh, the Ohio State game, like when Braxton Miller hit that spin move against Virginia Tech in like 2014. My first thought wasn't, oh shit, like that was amazing. It was, oh shit, that's awesome content. I need to get that GIF up immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And like people, you know, people like don't like a lot of Ohio State fans, like people are like, oh, you know, DJ failed at sports writing or whatever. I left. And a lot of it had to do with, I could have been, dude, I could have been great because I I say all the time, the easiest jobs in Ohio, one being like a MAGA preacher Mm -hmm. in like Western Ohio two being like an opiate dealer. And then three, like telling Ohio state fans what they want to hear. Yeah. And it's like, and I totally get it as a fan. Like I, I totally get it because, you know, the whole idea of sports is not thinking logically, you know, us against them. And, you know, and then here comes like some geek like me who, you know, I, like I was, I was pro Ohio state. Like I wanted them. It was better for business when they were winning. It was more fun to write. Um, But like, if they lost, that was also great content. And I would laugh about that. And I, it'll come back. Like I totally thought that had been that brain part of my brain had been killed. You know, then the pandemic happened last in 2020. And I was like, you know, should these guys even be playing right now? The empty stadiums. I'm like, eh. Then we beat Clemson and it comes back. And I was like, that's awesome. And then Bama wipes us off the map. And I, I just didn't I, like that would have ruined my week in the olden days. Like when Urban Meyer and Florida kicked the shit out of us in 2007 or whatever it was, I was despondent in Montana for about two weeks. And after like the Alabama game, I was like, oh, well, Dabo's still in his box. And then this year, I really like I, I'll go out and watch the games, but I really I wasn't invested into it. And then we lost to Michigan and like just a little chip in my brain got switched over. And now I'm back to just making poisonous posts. saying <laughs> <laughs> like, All these bums have got to go. And, you know, I guess I would really, like lead to the next area. Like, what do you make of Ryan Day? Did he like, is he back? What do you, what do you make of these moves? Because people are saying he's, they're asking me if he's back and I'm not sure if he's back yet. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's so hard to get a read on the guy and I'm not, I'm not as radical on, on Ryan day as, uh, as my co-host on flipping the field is who I, I believe you're going to have on the show at some point, um, which I, I will, I will warn you ahead of time that <laughs> Yeah, he's way too powerful. I'm not. He's way too powerful down there. I just. He's, he's got so a quick. Like, I'm not ha- like. <laughs> uh, yeah, they had to extradite him from the country because he's too powerful. But um, I don't know. Like, the thing with with Day is, it's hard to say whether he's back or not because I don't know what back looks like for him. I don't know what good looks like for him. I I still haven't yet gotten a feel for what he is what is what his deal is like what he wants to build at ohio state beyond just a really good offense um and so like 
if if that's what he wants to do, if that's his thing, then I don't think he left. I think that that was this. I mean, this team had a really good offense, and last year's team had a really good offense, and so I still can't quite get a good read for what his for what his deal is. I don't know whether the 2019 team, where they have you know everything kind of comes together the way that they want it to. They have a great defense, they have a great offense, and just comes up against you know a, re- a really good team and ends up falling in the playoff and and any other year that team probably wins championship. I don't know if that's what Ryan Day is as much as the last two seasons where yeah he's he's pretty much Lincoln Riley he's pretty much Oklahoma where they have an awesome offense and the defense is kind of optional, um, which eventually probably gets him run out of town at Ohio State because that's just not not how you do business here. Um, but I, I think that it, it really depends on how he wants to define himself as a coach. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure we know an answer to that yet. Um, I think the moves he's made this off season so far, it, the move, I guess he has made is encouraging. I like Jim Knowles, but um, given how, how seemingly comfortable he is just sitting on, on what he has. And I mean, if he runs it back again with a lot of these coaches, man, I'm going to have some questions. I'm going to have some questions because it seems like he's kind of considering doing that, which is uh, that, that at that point, I think we start to have an answer to what his, what his deal is. And it's that he just wants to have a really good offense. See, and that that's another thing that kills me about the media. Not, not like not every writer. And I'm not saying that, but uh, you know, those that follow know who are, you know, and there are a lot on the subscription sites, um, you know, Letterman Road, they've gone the state media way. I just hit like they won't call us. You can't, none of these guys can call a spade a spade. And you know, and you get all the stuff. It's like, oh, you know, fans are acting crazy. Like Ryan Day's 33 and three. Brother, I've never coached a game in my life. Pretty sure I could get 28 wins with Ryan. Give me Ryan Day's talent. Give me that schedule. I'm getting us to 28 wins on just that of, you know, hey boys, uh, I don't know, Garrett, <laughs> Garrett Wilson, go long. Yeah, <laughs> go catch the ball. <laughs> I've got better players than you. I'm going to smash it. And it just kills me to see like the golden goose protected. Same with like the Urban Meyer and the Marcus Williams, the, you know, the Marcus Williamson comments coming out. You know, everybody went at him like, oh, I never saw any of that. I never saw any of that. Well, guess what? Now there's a Marion TMZ article, which the first one article went to Rob Orr. Dude. Orr, I think, of the dispatch. Did they you read that article? Columnist. <laughs> who said like Marcus Williamson was acting out and just like this, he's just clearly an old man. Who's like got this 1960s college sports mindset. Yeah. And it's like, why don't you guys do some actual reporting? And then urban, the, you know, like you said on Twitter today, the famous guy who knows every single detail, it's literally hospitalized him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost killed him <laughs> multiple times. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was true. But yeah, I, I, I didn't know anything about it. Like, and then the, it'll be credulously reported within the, the ecosphere of Ohio state media and people wonder like, where do like the hog mentality of Ohio state fans come from? Why are these guys like they are? And it's because our thought leaders are all in on the gig. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, it's a, it's an echo chamber within the, the media sphere at Ohio state. And that, I mean, that, that column was ridiculous. He, he, he can't, he barely came short of calling him uppity essentially. Yeah. He <laughs> like, almost used to like, he, he wanted like, I was expecting the word Negro to be in yeah, there somewhere. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, dude, like, and this is like the paper of record. And the dispatch has just been getting killed on this stuff. And they've been, yeah. they get handed everything. Yeah. And it's, it's not like, it, it really is just, and you can see, I think more than really any other sports beat, you can see directly where a lot of these stories come from, especially the ones that have a spin in Ohio state's direction, right? Like, 
just a couple of weeks ago with the Quinn Ewers transfer, you see a story immediately come out about how he had pay for play NIL deals, right? Which wasn't true. Um, and you see this in one of the, I don't remember which one it was, but you see this in one of the state media outlets. And it, it's just like, you have to at least, you, you have to hide this a little bit usually. You have to not be so obvious about it. And at Ohio State, because it has been like this for so long and because the, the fan base seems to react pretty positive to, like, positively to it, this is what they want. It seems like from coverage, you get you get this shameless sort of like, you know, sourcing where you just directly credit an Ohio State SID. It's like, this is what he told me that they want out there. You know, it is this, this lie about this player. And they're doing it with Marcus Williams and now they do it with, pretty much anybody who goes against Ohio state. And there's, there's this entire ecosystem that has popped up of former players of media of guys whose job it is to protect the program, even though they don't work for the program, they have no connection with the program beyond it makes them money in the, you know, the work that they do in covering it. And it's um, it, it absolutely creates the fan base that, that Ohio state has where you have people who, I mean, Marcus Williams and another thing that he said on on Saturday night is that a large part of Ohio State, you know, fans don't know anything about football. And that's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. They they don't know anything about football and it's because they don't have any access to information about their football team. There's no nobody's reporting on the team like a team. Nobody is reporting on the team, you know, in a football sense. They're all doing the exact same stories that have, you know, been forced fed to them by the SIDs and by the team itself. And one thing I I, I do have like some sort of sympathy because it's so controlled, you know, yeah, like, no, I, like we I saw with Buc- Buckeye scoop, you know, yeah, credentials I, are like everything like to me, credentials, you know, to writers like us, like we don't need the quotes necessarily to be entertaining or informative, but a lot of these guys do. And they just live in fear of losing the, Well, what if we can't go put a microphone and ask, you know, what'd you think of that big play on third and eight? Yeah. And so they just, they toe the line and it's, it's gross. Like, cause at that point you're not, you're not, you're not a journalist. Like yeah. don't use that word. Like you're, you're running PR. Yeah. You're, you work in communications. You, you know, you, you are running. Yeah. You're absolutely running PR for the team. And like you said, I mean, I don't really blame these guys. I don't think that it's necessary. I don't think it's their fault. I don't think that it's, you know, the, the fault of these outlets that this is how it is now, but it is certainly, I think Ohio state's fault. I think that, that part of it falling by the wayside is, you know, just times changing and Ohio state taking advantage of that. And, and that's not, I, I don't blame any individuals at Ohio state for this. I don't blame any really individuals in the media for this. It's just a large scale. Like it's fucked. It's just, it's, it's completely <laughs> fucked. It, it, there's, I don't. <laughs> back from that. Cause yeah. Cause I like, I'm not, I'm not sure what, the solution to that would be like, I, I hope like, cause like, so there's so many voices that are entrenched and there's so many successful, you know, like, so, you know, guys coming up, like, I remember like when I used to just think guys like that, like, you know, had it made in retrospect, they did. I mean, they were what filing two 800 word columns a week, collecting 60 grand and getting yeah. drunk seven, seven nights a week. Yeah, like, and they're getting locker room access, you know, yeah. they're, they're getting, they're, <laughs> they can call up the fucking coaches, but you know, but like when I was coming up, like I I grew up like people were like, oh, where's your where'd your writing come? Like, how, where'd all this stuff come? Because I re- I grew up like reading blogs, like Deadspin, or sure. like the Tommy Craig the Craig's era, you know, the AJ Delirio era. Like I wanted, I grew up wanting to be a blogger, and there's a lot of a lot, and I can tell them like so instantly, like people around our age, and like I can just read like their articles and be like, all right, this person grew up to be wanting to be a newspaper writer like yeah. reading the newspaper columns and 
the world's just, it's not going back to that. And what, what I like about your writing is you have, you have like a football knowledge, but it's not like, you're not droning on about, you cannot, not like, you're not writing two you know, 2000 word missives that 300 people read. It's like, no offense to the, you know, the X's and O's guys. Like I've seen the analytics. I know what the hogs want. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want a tome. So like, where, where did you get your, did you play football growing up or where did you get acquired like your schematic knowledge? So I played football extremely poorly in middle school because I was, I was about five foot seven and wildly, I was wildly overweight for being five foot seven. So they put me on the line and I wasn't like strong or or fit or anything. I just got the shit kicked out of me (laughs) for like three years. Um, but a, a lot of it, funny enough, comes from playing like the NCAA video games. It, it comes from, you know, I was I was not I was not good at football, so I just played the game and I had a great time playing the game. And I watched it a bunch growing up and, and was sort of just curious about how things worked and, and looked into how things worked. And it's it's not so much a you know, a, a, a desire to, to fully understand like play calls or things like that, as much as it is like, I want to know how the game works physically. I want to understand why this certain thing works and, and what the intent behind it is. And I could, I could talk forever about the, the, you know, industrial film complex, the guys who the, the scheme writers and shit like that. And I have a lot of respect for what those guys do. And I, I understand that there is a, a place where, coach talk and where shit like that does play and it's often among those groups but also i read those stories and it's, it's like you're saying man i don't know what the fuck these guys are talking about you know i, I <laughs> you know it's it's they're they're rattling off these concepts and it's like who are you talking to who are you <laughs> nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about i i like if you're if you don't understand what you're talking about man nobody else is going to like if you're talking to coaches here you're writing for coaches and they're not reading this shit and that's why that's why I come that's why I do come to the defense of fan and fanhood and when players like oh you know like like uh, you know oh they don't know they don't they don't know about football you're lucky like you're lucky and that's true but like that's every fan base like ninety percent of football fans myself included really don't know shit about the actual game other other than like you know oh there was a big sack on third down we can you know our, we can process that. Yeah. And like, cause I was telling my girlfriend, like she was, she didn't, she was asking me like, what's the first down? You know, I'd ask her what the score was. She couldn't, and she was like, Oh, you know, I just don't know about, I was like, baby, nobody knows anything about football. <laughs> yeah. We're all just using it to mask our substance abuse issues to get by, you know, before our boss calls us back into work on Monday. Yeah. And it's, I, I think that like, it really is a disservice the way that smart football people, and these are smart people. These are absolutely people who understand the game. A lot of these people are coaches, but they're doing a disservice to people by writing about it the way that they do, which is by name dropping plays and concepts and shit. And that's, that's sort of where I come at it from is like, I don't really want to explain what the play is large partially because I don't know it. I don't know what the play is. I don't need to know it. I'm not on the team. I don't need to know the play call. And partially because it doesn't matter. You don't need to know that, you know, fans don't need to know what the name of the play is or what the concept is or where it came from. They need to know why it works. They need to know what they're seeing when it's happening. And I think that that is so largely missed in the sport and in, in the way that we talk about the sport is an understand, like it's like coaching middle schoolers. You need to, if you're writing about football, you need to write about it. Like you're talking to a bunch of middle schoolers who don't know what they're looking at because nobody knows what they're looking at. It's a hard thing to understand. And you're like, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that like my understanding of the sport 
is not on a coaching level. It's not on a, you know, it, it, it's, I couldn't coach us. I could not coach a football team successfully right now, but I think I can understand physically why teams are doing things. And I think that's a much easier way to digest how the game works for fans is, Oh, this is what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like from a literal player movement perspective, this is how your body works. Like this is why you block like this is because your body works like this. Or this is, you know, you, you have to be able to conceptualize it outside of the just football, because when you just talk about it in football terms, you're just going in circles. Nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about. You're, you're in a, you're in a cycle that only you understand with, you know, with, with how these guys talk about the game is like I said, they're just talking to each other. And I, I think that it absolutely creates, you know, fans of the sport who, and, and again, this is not their fault. Don't know what they're looking at. And it's, it's because nobody's explaining it to them. So what, what programs do you like? like what programs do you, cause you're, you're, you're deep into the power five game. Or the group of five game. I'm sorry. <laughs> almost, 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 almost slammed. You didn't want, didn't want the flipping the field mafia coming after me. Yeah. What yeah, are, like what program, like if I'm trying to, you know, get into games, like who is exemplifying the beautiful game, the best to you? Well, right I, I, I think, you know, my love of the freaks down in Conway at coastal Carolina. Um, I, I, uh, I think you've referenced my love of the freaks down in Conway on the rooster. If I remember correct, Warren G Harding did No, yeah, he, yeah. he's in debtor's <laughs> prison right now, but you did. I think you were like, if I would just listed your picks every week, I'd you'd probably be in a penthouse right now. I don't know about all that. I, I, uh, I have, I have retired from the pick game. I did it for about five weeks last season and it made me miserable. And I just, I stepped away from it. I was like, this is, this is horrible. I don't want to lose people's money. You know, <laughs> I don't want to give people bad advice on this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think coastal Carolina is a good place to start if people like, like running games and, and, football that makes sense when you watch it and you understand why why they're doing things that they're doing um there's a lot of shit happening on all of their plays but none of it is overly complex none of it is there for the sake of you know window dressing they they do a lot of shit that just makes sense um it's sort of an updated option and i think that the option is a really good entry point for understanding football in general because you don't really have to think in three dimensions uh when you add a passing game in you're you're suddenly you're thinking about a lot. You're thinking about coverage. You're thinking about every level of the game. When you're looking at the option, you literally just have to watch the lines. That's it. It's just the lines. It's, you know, five, six guys on the offense, four or five guys on the defense. And I think that Coastal Carolina does a really good job of boiling it down into the lines, boiling it down into this play worked because they had more guys than the defense does. You know, defense has seven guys. Coastal Carolina has eight. And so they can account for it better. And I, I think that it's a, it's a really, really fun way. You know, it's a really fun brand of football to watch, but it's also a brand of football that is conducive to quick learning and to, to understanding why they're doing things that they're doing. Um, and I, I think running game, strong running games in general do that a lot better than strong passing games do just because, like I said, there's so much shit to, to digest with a passing game. But Northern Illinois is another team that runs the ball really well. Um, there there's, you know, San Diego state does this pretty well. It's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a better entry point to watch teams that focus on running the ball just because there's so much going on in the passing game. And I think that it, a lot of the time can just feel like junk food, you know, because there's, there's, there's too much happening and there's a lot that you're just not digesting, you know, like I, myself included in a passing game that goes over my head. And so it just feels like I'm eating front, you know, French fries. It's like, okay, yep. They, they gained 80 yards on that pass. And I don't know what happened or why it happened. The guy just ran into open space and scored and it didn't feel like it was really earned. And, and so those, 
those rushing attacks always stand out to me and, and have a special place in, in my heart as being like, okay, I can understand why that happened. I can understand why that worked. Whereas with the passing game, you know, an elite passing game, a lot of the times I just throw up my hands and I say, well, yeah, this guy's faster than the guy who was across from him. And so he scored. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty much the extent of my analysis. <laughs> I like I like your uh, I like your phrasing the junk food though because like that's how I felt watching the Ohio State Michigan this uh, game this year you know what I mean because we just grew up like poison oh like robbery in the snow like big man football and like you know yeah like our, our we were we were scoring points against Maryland and stuff and that was cool when we were throwing the ball but when it came up to when it came time to just line up and mash. We got rolled over like a Twinkie, bro. It's not wholesome. It's not wholesome. It's, it's not, not good. It's not a wholesome way to live. I agree. I agree. And speaking <laughs> of wholesome, though, this Dabo Sweeney talk, what's going on with that, bro? <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> like, he's gone. He's done. He, he ain't coming back. He is Urban Meyer. The best he can hope for is, is bojangling some other – you know, Fran, some other school. Maybe he gets lucky when Saban retires and he goes try to rekindle the magic. He's done. I don't know, man. I my fear with this is it's it's that the recruiting is still good and they're still in a dog shit conference and somebody's got to win it. I mean, you look at how that's how, true. All, you look at how awful they were this year. They couldn't pass the ball even a little bit. Couldn't really do anything on offense until the end of the season. They went fucking ten and three. They won ten games. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> They won one fewer game than Ohio State did. And it's it's just like, you know, those teams were obviously on very different levels this season, but it doesn't seem like they can do anything wrong. Even when they're this disastrously bad, they still go 10 and three. And I, I think that things are sort of falling apart for him there and his staff sucks. And he has a bunch of former players that shouldn't be coaching. And, you know, he's he's got the the all shuck shit and that's going to run out of, you know, it's it's people are running out of patience for it. But I also I look at it and I see all that and I see everything going wrong that could have possibly gone wrong. And I see that they went 10 and three and I just, I don't know how you can have more of a disaster than what they had this year. And you know, the disaster that they had this year yields a 10 and three season. And it's just, it's hard for me to envision it getting a whole lot worse. And, and it's, you know, maybe he just leaves, maybe he doesn't just retire. Maybe he steps away because he doesn't like the way that the game is played. But I also, I don't know how, how he could possibly collapse worse than he did this season, and it seems like the floor is still 10 wins. Yeah, but it, Clemson fans, they ain't going to accept 10 wins anymore. You know, oh, like if they go 10-2, like, I mean, you know, pretty it, much you, Ohio, Ohio State's kind of in the same boat. You know what I mean? Three wins, you might as well just fold the season. Or three losses, you might as well just fold the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've but faced the talent advantage alone. Back. Because I also I also wonder too if Clemson like do they have the unit like the alumni network and the, just the amount of alums that are going to be needed for this coming arms race with the NIL? Because my understanding is Texas A and M setting the tone right now. <laughs> Texas A and M's got a got a thirty million dollar salary. That yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm looking around, I'm looking at these Ohio State pay pigs. Like, hey boys, get your dicks out of your hand. Put your little golden Buckeye trinkets down. <laughs> and getting a goddamn game because I'm sure as hell not financing any of this. Yeah, and man. I wonder like Ohio State has that. We've got the National Alumni Network, and we just have people that will throw in ten dollars into a Patreon or whatever if, if that's yeah. what it takes. But I wonder if Clemson can match that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Clemson has quite the 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 
the culture, I guess, of, of rich guys who are willing to just throw money away. Um, and, and it does have, you know, Clemson famously has the church that it's affiliated with through which it, it laundered money for years and years. And there's not a, there's not really a need to do that anymore. Um, I, I do think that Clemson generally speaking can, you know, keep up just because like you said, they've tasted human flesh at this point. They don't want to go back. You know, Clemson doesn't want to go back to go to go an eight and four. And no. I think a lot of people will spend money to avoid that feeling. Um, but I, I don't know that it's, I mean, I don't know that anybody has money on the Texas A&M level or, or on, you know, that sort of ground just because they've, they've got more money than they know what to do with. Um, Ohio State, uh, on the other hand, needs to focus on getting its, its richest guys to stop starting websites or being pedophiles. That's the, big, <laughs> that's the huge key for Ohio State right now is it needs to get its rich guys into state shape, stop starting websites and stop spending money on children. Dude, I went to my first Ohio State game since like 2008, the prior fumble this year. And yeah. man, I was sitting, I look over, like, there's Les Wexner's name. Sure yeah. as hell. Dude, the corner, you know, on the corner yeah, of the it's South everywhere. stands. Like, God damn, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, and you want a sex traffic choke, boy, boy, pony up for Ohio State. Yeah. You know, if you want a good way to launder your money, whatever, coming in investigations, because I know half this town is just waiting, for, you know, they're just praying he croaks. So they can yeah. just sweep it under the rug, pretend he was just some kindly gentleman. Yeah, it's time <laughs> um, to move on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like all yeah. Clemson know is just a sex freak. Yeah, everybody can write their, their uh, you know, he had his flaws, but he was a good man, obituaries, and they can move on. <laughs> but he, he, oh, let's see you in one dumpster fire. We're running out of time here, but I want to get your thought. The Cleveland Browns, brother. Yeah. Did you watch any games? I, I know you said earlier you checked out, but like, have, have you followed the discourse? Do you have any opinions on what's going on? Yeah. So that's, that's sort of the, the way that my brain has broken with following teams is that I do still follow all of the discourse. I do still keep track of all of the shit that's going on. I just don't watch the games. Like, I, I Dude, do. and honestly, that's how, like, that's the way to do it. Like ask it's, me about the Lakers right now. Oh, the Lakers suck. Yeah, you know they're fucking garbage. LeBron's still awesome though. How do I know that? Just watch it on Twitter. I haven't watched a game this year. Yeah, like I don't have, I don't really have the attention span or the time to sit down and watch the Browns lose. Like I, I just, I, I watched them last year. I had a great time watching them last year, but after like week five this season, and I, I, I think it was like the Cardinals game was sort of on in the background, and I'm like, these guys suck. These guys are horrible. I'm not spending any more time doing this. Um, but I, I, my, my take on on the Browns is that the. Uh, the, the short man at quarterback has got to go. That's it. I've, I'm ready to get rid of this individual. I'm sick of this character. I think the rest of the team is perfectly fine. I want that man gone. I'm done easy, with it. Easy. You're just not that good enough to be that annoying, bro. No, like, no. Yeah. He, he is nowhere near good enough to be as annoying as he is. And it's never his fault. Like, just one time, like, oh, I played a bad game. Like, he's throwing interceptions. He's going, checking, you know, the, 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 uh, check, getting the ball, right after check the balls. Like, yeah. Dude, get out. Like, I'll just take some stiff. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what he's playing like now. Spending the whole year also complaining about how he was injured and and never also you know tying in that into like, oh, maybe I should stop playing until the last week of the season at which he's like, oh, you know, I got to take my own health and my, my agent's opinion into account. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You didn't all year. You spent the whole year saying, oh, I don't need to do that. I'm better than that. No, you're not. You're not better than this. Get down in the dirt with the rest of us. And it like, cause Ramsey mentioned last night that like he thought Stefanski basically said, all right, like 
you know, here's like the, here's what you should be able to do. Here's what we would ask our quarterback to do to beat the, the hapless Steelers yeah. at the end of the season. Like here, we expect you to execute this. We saw the results and I think that's what it was. And, and, and then he comes out and he takes surgery right away because then why, why wouldn't you have just done the surgery last week? Why would you, you know, if you weren't yeah. making him, if you weren't giving him the audition, why wouldn't you just, you know, if you believed in him, why wouldn't you have just started that recovery process that, you know, that yeah, week? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I still believe in the, uh, in the handsome coach. I still believe in Kevin. I do too. And I think that, that essentially, I, I totally agree that he, you know, he took all of Baker's comments this year and said, yeah, okay, go ahead. Fuck you. Go ahead. Go show me that you can do this. Yeah. I want to see, I want to see just how, how much you believe in your own ability to win in a spread offense. Yeah. Go, go ahead and see what you'd look like without the play actions. Let's, let's, let's see you make a read. Go ahead, buddy. And, and, he, and he can't cause he's a dog shit quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He had swagger. He brought some juice to the position though. Yeah. I'll get, and I, you know, and living in Ohio, but ah. Ah. Yeah, it's, anyway. it's, uh, I've moved on from him. I'm done with it, <laughs> dude. And his wife is gonna be so insufferable on Twitter. Like when yeah. he like they finally lie. She goes, later, later, you toothless hillbillies. Cleveland sucks. Like <laughs> I'll have a club I can go do cocaine in at three in the afternoon. Like yeah. get out of here. Yeah. Ah. No, no one in or around the Browns in the fandom in Cleveland anywhere does cocaine. That's that's. <laughs> She's the only one. She doesn't fit. <laughs> LA mindset. Get her out of here. <laughs> uh, all right, brother. Well, I guess wrap, wrapping up, I got this new thing. I, I figured like, I, you know, if you just, I'm going to be asking people if they're the king or queen or the they of America, like, you know, politically, what, what's going on? I guess I want to touch, I wanted to touch on a little uh, more politics than we did, uh, we didn't get to it. Whatever. We can have you on again. Yeah. Um, how would like, how would you describe your politics in the current, the unprecedented times in which we live? Um, entirely checked out, save for the group chat that I'm in with you and Ryan. <laughs> I, I just like, you've just on, so, on the, you've taken the who care pill. I've taken the who care pill. I, um, as, as I think many of your, I would assume many of your listeners, I guess, I don't know, um, had the same experience as I did, which in like March of 2020, their entire world was completely shut down. Um, like I spent months, you know, canvassing for Bernie and being all in on that campaign. And then I just see, you know, Obama makes one phone call and it ends like that's the end of the campaign. And, <laughs> and like that shit sucked so bad that I was like, okay, I give up. Yeah. They, they very obviously don't want me to be a part of this. So I don't, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> like it's, it's, I'm not supposed to be in this. Um, so I, I am, uh, my, my involvement is, is very much like, I see the things that Ryan sends in there and gets mad about. And I'm like, yeah, that sucks. And then I, I kind of move on. Cause it's like, it's just, there's there's so much bad shit all the time that I really can't engage with it beyond like the group chat and you know listening to a podcast or something like that. But it's it's just you know I I did I did the Bernie canvassing and it went so poorly. And then a couple months I think it was a couple months later I did the um, it was either a couple months later or like concurrently I did like Morgan Harper canvassing and then she eats shit. And it's like, man, I just, what am I doing here? <laughs> what, is, what is the point of me doing this beyond just, I get to eat shit every couple of months. And canvassing is like brutal. Cause like, that's, that's oh, what happened God. to me. You know, I put in all this time, all this money out and running a race. I couldn't win. 
I knew that going in, but I still wanted to try. But then it's like, God damn, I, you know, I did all that and I could have lost the same way spending $10 and yeah. shit posting online. Like I normally yeah. do. Yeah. Like, like it's just, it's, it's, and you know this better than I do. It's just either, you know, nobody comes to the door or they do. And they're just mean to you. They're just like, get the fuck out of my house. Leave me alone. It's like, man, I'm just trying to talk to you. I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to attack you or anything. I just got some papers I want you to read. That's it. And I feel it too. Cause I hear a knock on the door. I'm thinking, Oh God, police. <laughs> hit the escape hatch and oh it's like some strange like i guess it, it is kind of insane to think about that like oh like, i'm just some stranger like here to talk to you about politics like what yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm here to talk to you about that thing you don't want to talk about you know <laughs> but all right I, and I totally i totally get that dude like i totally and that's like my thing with the democrats like they haven't delivered anything nominal and I'm not one of those guys who said, oh, you know, Joe Biden's just as bad as Trump. Like, obviously not, like, in the scheme of things. But has he done anything that's changed the material conditions of anybody that lives around me? No. Like, he's been completely ineffectual. So I get it. Like, if people just check out, it's like, what the what, what the hell is the point? Yeah. You know, these goblins are going to do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. it really is, for me, it's just like, man, I, I, I get it. I understand what's going on. It's, you know. It's it's the thing about uh <laughs> I'm not reading that. I'm happy for you or sorry that, that happened, but I'm not reading that. <laughs> All right, but but if you if you were like if you yeah. were if somebody comes out, you know, there's there's been a constitutional crisis. <laughs> Thousands mm-hmm. of people have died and you're now the, the crisis of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. That's what I would say all the time like man like like I think I'm the smartest guy in the world, but thank God I'm not because like <laughs> We wouldn't have <laughs> shit like, oh, that's self- your cell phone doesn't work. Oh, I guess it just, uh, uh, well, better go find problem. another one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but if you were, if, if you were president, you're not like, what, how, how do you fix the current predicament, man? Like what, what do we need from a president? Yeah. So I, my, my, my view here is painted a little bit by an experience that I have just recently had. Um, I went out to, to Los Angeles to cover a football game. And I flew out to Los Angeles and I took spirit to do so, which I would not recommend because folks, they charge you $4 for water. I paid $10 for water and 15 Pringles. I flew to Costa Rica on spirit. uh, I didn't have a problem. (laughs) Man. So I, I I had, I had terrible problems both ways. It nearly gets, nearly gets canceled on the way out at like midnight, Uh, get back like 2 AM on the way on the flight back and then wait another two hours for baggage. But all of this goes to say uh, the one policy that I have I guess two policies. The first policy that I have, and it goes in tandem with the second one, uh, we need a full nation rail system, like just everywhere. I want to be able to get anywhere on a train. I want to be able to get on a train and go to Los Angeles. I want to be able to get on a train and go to Cleveland, go to Cincinnati, wherever it is. I want to get on a train and go there. That's it. I want, I just, I want fast trains. I want like what China has with the really fast trains. And that's- I tell people all the time, you can go from Cleveland to Columbus, that distance for $5 in 20 minutes. Yeah, like that's that. I just, I, I want trains. I, <laughs> I, just, I just want big trains. I don't really want. I don't really care about anything else beyond that. Is I just want the trains so I can get where I need to go. Um, you know, having having more metro systems in general. Like in Columbus, it's fucking impossible to go anywhere. Like I, I just I don't. Yesterday I went out of my way to get pizza so that I wouldn't have to park downtown. Like, I just, I don't want to drive there. I don't want to do this shit. And, you know, metros, trains, shit like that. I, I need that. 
and I need every worker to have a union. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much everything that I, that I believe in is, is that people would have unions and that there's trains. And that's, that's I think that fixes most of our problems. Hey, hey brother, you got my vote. You got my vote. <laughs> I'm playing to the crowd here. <laughs> we are trained hogs at the yeah. Crowcast. Um, anyway, man, what, what should, what should, what else should people know about you? Where, where can they look up, find your opinions? Uh, Cause you got a lot of new listeners here. Yeah, I'm at uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn on Twitter. That's that's sort of the hub for all of my shit. I'm also at uh, at field flipping on Twitter, which is where I do my podcast with Ryan Donnelly. Um, it's a college football podcast about all of college football that also uh, kind of hates college football. It seems like as I'm as I'm gathering here, as we record more and more, it seems like we both love and hate college football. As you um, should. <laughs> yeah, as we as we should. Uh, but that's that's flipping the field is the podcast. Uh, I'm also at the Outside Zone newsletter on Substack, which is a uh, it's it's a five dollar a month group of five football newsletter. Um, I post three times a week. The Wednesday dispatch is free, but Monday and Friday, that's the good shit. You got to pay for that. Um, and I'm also for the Ohio state fans at Buckeye sports bulletin, which is, I, I think one of the only independent football or, or sports newspapers left in America and still, still going strong. I'm the associate editor out there. So if anybody's interested in that, um, they could just hit me up on Twitter and I'll, I'll get them set up with that. But I, I, I don't blame you if you're not terribly interested in newspapers in 2022, <laughs> but that's uh, I think that's all my shit. I think that's where I am. Oh yeah. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I guess that's, a, that's the first Crowcast in the books. Hopefully, I, we might make it a weekly thing. Might be, be a monthly thing. I don't know. We'll catch it. Uh, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> I'll keep you posted in the post. So uh, I'm DJ Burns with Patrick Mayhorn. Later, y'all.